Let me uh, dismiss our kids to be with our team in Transformation Station. I was uh, about to come out and notice that my battery was totally out, so that's a, a great way to make a, a bad start to a sermon, so Seth's going to switch me out real quick, I think. Um, let me welcome you. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as the lead pastor of Redemption Hill, and I'm really thankful that you're here today. So uh, if, you are, if you are new, uh, we're always super excited to have uh, new guests with us. And, and even if you're new-ish, let me invite everyone. Uh, this this uh, Sunday after our service, we have what is called Next. And Next is a great place uh, just to connect with some other people, to connect with some of our leaders, and also just learn a little bit more about the vision and mission of Redemption Hill. So this is very low-key, low-pressure, no-pressure. Uh, we'll feed you lunch. We'll be in and out of there in about 45 minutes. Uh, so please, uh, if you can, make plans now to, to stick around, and uh, we would love to have you uh, with us. Well, um, I, I want to... Um, I want to just pause and let Seth hook me up here. This is teamwork. See, we do ministry as a team at Redemption Hill, and this is just great evidence of this. See, he just making it happen. Watch this. Thank you, Seth. That's, that's brotherhood and trust. Uh, so thank you, Seth. Let me see if I am good to go. Bang, that's beautiful. All right, way to go, Seth, AV team. See, if, if Pastor Tanner would have checked this 30 minutes ago, we'd be all good, but hey. I'm a work in progress. You guys understand that. Well, um, hey, listen, listen to this. We, we, all, we all love these devices right here, right? Our cell phone. Anyone have a cell phone on you today? I think a, a lot of us would say, man, I, I love my cell phone. I mean, almost to the point where um, it, it can be this kind of good thing that becomes a bad thing, right? Um, like, I'll get home uh, from work, and, you know, it'll be laying around, and I'll see it light up, and then I'm tempted to go over and check that email or what's happening in the world, and I get that look from Marsha, you know what I'm saying? Just like, hey, it's, it's dad time, not be distracted time, and, uh, and like, even for Lent, uh, just that, for example, I, uh, I, I fasted from my cell phone uh, from, uh, let's see, it was 8.30 to 10.30, just to not be on social media or anything like that, uh, to, to spend some more quality time with Marsha, to spend some time reading. I try not to be on my phone when I get home from work as it is. So like from 5.30 to around 8, I try to stay off of it anyway, uh, however imperfect you know, I am about that. Uh, but, but the thing about a cell phone is we can do so many things on it, right? I mean, we can, we can check our emails, we can, we can hop on social media, uh, we can uh, you know, take pictures and, and send messages just left and right, almost to the point where uh, having a phone, uh, the usefulness of the phone isn't really the primary design of the phone, which is to what? Make phone calls, right? Uh, so it's, it's a really kind of funny thing when, when that happens. Um, but for, uh, this, this afternoon, for example, I'm going to use my phone to uh, FaceTime my mom because it's my mother's birthday, all right? So happy birthday, mom. You're awesome. I love you. And uh, so, so this phone will only be as useful as the strength of the signal that causes it to work. You follow me, right? So, so if, you're, if you're trying to use your phone, whether it's, it's for data usage or to make a call, um, this is only going to work if the signal that's being sent to the tower comes 
gets there, goes where else it needs to be uh, so that it will be effective. And uh, I, I, I was reminded of this this week because I've been trying to uh, get in touch with a friend uh, who's been traveling across the Midwest, and I hadn't heard from him for a few days. Like, man, what's, what's going on? You know, I hope everything's okay. Uh, it turns out there were several massive tornadoes that ripped through the state of Kansas, and it knocked out several cell phone towers, not to mention he had hell damage on his car, and he was pulling a trailer, and it totaled dead. I mean, so that was a mess. But, but that's why I couldn't get in touch with this new friend. There was not a strong signal there. And so I, I don't know about you, but, but maybe you're making a call and uh, the, 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 the reception gets a little scratchy, right? So, so what do we do in that moment? We, we, we check, check the bars, right? We look down and, and see, and, and if it's like one or zero, then maybe we look like this guy right here, just, you know, like absolutely frustrated, like ready to throw this thing, like especially if it's an important conversation or, you know, maybe job related or relationship related, you know. And, uh, and so it just can, can be, you know, a really, a really stressful, a really stressful thing sometimes when our, the bars get low on the signal. And so as we, as we think about that reality, uh, when it comes to our, our cell phones, what about when the bars get low on our lives. You know, it's one thing for our, our, our phone calls to get a little scratchy, but it's, it's a whole different thing when our lives get scratchy, right? And I'm not just thinking about what's going on around us, but I'm thinking about what's happening within us. So how many bars are up in your soul? How's your connection to God these days? What would that kind of signal strength look like? See, just like with our cell phones, our connection is vital. We have to stay connected to Christ on a daily basis. And so I just want to pose this overarching question as we jump into John 15 today, and that is this. How is your connection? How's your connection? What we're going to, to see here today is that we, we stay connected to Christ, and here's the purpose, okay, so that he, he can construct a life that counts. And, and, and the wording there is, is, is super intentional, okay? Stay connected to Christ so he can construct a life that counts. Let me read these first 11 verses as we jump into John chapter 15, here we go. It says this. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be, bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. When Jesus says these words, we have to just keep in mind, I know we keep repeating this week after week as we're kind of coming toward the end of the Gospel of John, but Jesus is providing final words to those that are following him. These are where, where his closest friends, his closest followers, and so we can safely assume that the final words that Jesus would give to them were very, very important, right? I mean, if, if, if anyone's on their deathbed, right? I mean, it, it, is, it is, you want to listen up if they have anything to say because they want to make those words count, right? As my mentor used to say, last words are lasting words, and so Jesus gives these, these words, and for him to say, I am the true vine, was, again, a radical assertion. I mean, we keep seeing this in the Gospel of John. Jesus is no joke, right? He's not saying, like, I'm a good man, and I'm coming to teach you a few nice things, right? He's saying, I am God, and I'm coming to turn your life upside down and this whole world upside down. And, and so what he does is he uses this very familiar analogy from the, 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 the scriptures that the Jews knew so well out of Isaiah chapter 5, right? This long book kind of in the middle of your Bible from chapter 5 where it, it's God speaking and he's speaking to Israel and he's saying, look, you are a vineyard and I am the gardener or vine dresser, as it says here. And, and God says, look, I've taken care of you. I've, I've watered you. I've made sure that you've had enough nourishment. I've pruned you, where you so that you can flourish and grow to your maximum capacity. But he says, but you yielded no good fruit. You've only produced wild grapes, grapes that were inedible. And so Jesus then to come on the scene and say, I am the true vine, is for him to make an assertion that where all of the people had failed in the past, which, oh, by the way, would have included us had we been there, where they have failed and where we have failed, Jesus came through every single time. Where we lacked kindness and, and, and self-control and love. Jesus practiced those things perfectly. And so for him to say, I am the true vine, Jesus is saying, look, I have lived the life that God wants all of us to live. And so now it's through me that that can be realized in your life as well. So if I can just kind of hit pause here, like that statement, like, like preachers and pastors say a lot of things and hopefully a lot of important things, right? But like, I mean, could you just kind of let that, that one sink in just a little bit? Like 
you through Jesus can, can live the life that God designed for you in the very beginning that, that is absolutely fulfilling, absolutely, as the analogy goes, fruitful. He wants his work to be clear in us. And so what I want to do is just through, through, through working uh, through these verses, I want to give us three encouragements centered around what does it look like to stay connected to Christ, okay? The key verse, I want to read it one more time as we work our way through, is verse 5 where Jesus says this, okay? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So three encouragements from our passage today, okay? Number one, stay connected to Christ for deeper friendship with God and a fruitful life. So what's going on here is this. Jesus is is using this analogy of a vine and branches that come out of the vine to uh, compare that to his relationship with those that heard his, his teaching and said, I want to be all in with you. And so first and foremost, this, this passage is about a real relationship with the God of the universe. One, what I love about Christianity is Christianity is not a religion that sets up a long list of rules by which we would be accepted based on our achievements. Christianity is rather about a relationship with the God who made everything in the world, including us, and now he invites us in to this, this, this intimate relationship, this friendship with him that is based on not what we could do to kind of earn that, but what he has done to make that even possible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so if you're, if you're maybe out here today and you're asking like, well, that, that sounds nice. I would like to get in on that. How, how can I be connected to Christ? It is really as simple as seeing who he is, appreciating who he is, seeing how that you need all of what he offers you, and then we just open our hands and receive the gift that he desires to give us. And so it's, it's opening our hands and receiving is the way that we get connected to Christ, but opening our hands and receiving is the way that we stay connected to Christ. And so we see this, this friendship language unfold as we continue through these verses. Look down at verses 12 through 17. Jesus continues and he says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Why? For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or last so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. 
So, so this, this, this God who flung every star into the sky, who created every galaxy and, and keeps them moving in, in the exact way that they need to move. This God, this transcendent God who is over all things, he's supreme over all things, wants to be your friend. Like, what do, we, what do we do with that? Like, isn't, it's, it's almost hard for that to compute, right? Like, like, God wants to be near to me. He wants to be close to me. He wants to bring me in. Did you hear what, like, Jesus said, look, everything that, the, that God the Father has shared with me, I'm sharing it with you. We're not left in the dark. There's nothing that that we need that we don't have. There's no piece of information that he has not disclosed to us. He's given us everything. Like that's what a picture of friendship is, right? Like your friends know things about you that, that a lot of other people, mere acquaintances, would never know. And Jesus says, you, you are my friends. And you are my friends so much that not only do I love you, but I will display the greatest love in that I will lay down my life for you, that I will die for you. So this picture of of a vine and branches is about a relationship. Closer than any earthly relationship that we could enjoy in this life. Um, it, it reminds us of that, that Edwards quote that I, I, we throw up on the screen so often and, and, and quote in so many sermons, right? That, that all of our earthly relationships are but shadows. God is the sun, right? That, that he's the substance in, 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 our, in our earthly relationships and friendships. They're but scattered beams. God is the sun. So, so you can take whatever, like think about your best friends in life. I have a lot of great friends. Marsha, my parents, my sister, Jay Green, Rush, Bob. I mean, I can could, I could name a lot of great friends in my life, including many of you. And at some levels, my relationship, my friendship with Jesus is to be just like that, even better. So, I mean, like, how do you relate to your friends? Like, do, you, do you spend time with your friends? Do you talk with your friends? Do you share things with your friends that you wouldn't share with anyone else? Jesus invites us into this real, vibrant relationship. And, and why does he do it? He does it so that we can, again, live that life that God wants us to live and, and that shows people uh, how great he is. So, so here's the progression. Okay, don't miss this. Uh, verse 5, again, is the key. All right, Jesus says, I am the vine. That's who he is. We are the branches. And if we, if we stay connected to him, then the result is what? A fruitful life. We could say that a, 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 a bunch of different ways. A productive life as God calculates productivity, Right? A life that yields a high return on the investment of God's work in us, if you want to go financial on it. But we don't bear fruit unless we are connected to the vine. 
if we are loosely connected, then we are going to bear less fruit. That's just how it works. And Jesus would, would say it so bluntly, so clearly, so helpfully. He would say, look, if you're, if you're not staying connected to me, then you can do nothing. Fruit is the sole purpose of the branch. It is why we are here. And just to kind of set the record straight from the very beginning, I believe that Jesus is talking about um, clearly reflecting who he is. All right? Like the, the vine is providing the life and the nourishment to the branch, and then the branch is going to produce fruit that is consistent with the vine. So you say, like, what, is a, what does a fruitful life look like? I'm just saying it looks like whatever we see in Jesus, that's going to start flowing out of us because his life is in us. So, so I wonder if, if, if you're like me, and maybe this is because of some of the church traditions that I grew up in. Like, a lot of times when I read these words and I think about a fruitful life, I'm just thinking kind of almost exclusively internally in terms of character, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm loving and, I, and I'm patient and I'm self-controlled. Like, it just, just listen to the words of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, uh, where Paul writes this, but the fruit of the Spirit, you want to know what fruit looks like? Like, here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love what he says at the end. He says, like, against such things, there is no law. In other words, there's no restriction there. You can be as liberal as you want to be when it comes to love and joy and peace and patience and all of these things. So, so it is true that the character of Christ should should be reflected in who we are and how we're going about our business. But another way to read this passage is that, just as Jesus said in John 14, the chapter before this, that you are going to do greater works than these because I'm going to send my spirit. God the Holy Spirit is going to come into us and we're going to continue the mission forward in living out what Jesus wants us to do. Now, the fruit is also seeing more people come to know Jesus and now live their life for him. And part of that most certainly includes telling other people how good Jesus is. Do you follow me here? So it's, it's not one or the other. It's yes, it's both and. I mean, one thing that I love about, about Galatians 5.22, look at that last phrase again, against such things, there is no law. I mean, I can remember as, as, a, as a high school student, as, even as a college kid, until like the light bulb went off, like that, that, that word, such things is like super important, right? Because what that means is that that's not all the fruit of the Spirit. Like we're putting these bold brackets around like love, joy, peace, peace, like all the way down to self-control, like that's it. Like every good thing that we want to see in our life, confidence rooted in who God is, wisdom. Anybody need wisdom? Making plans, like trying to make decisions. We need wisdom. Like we're asking God for that, and that's a fruit of the Spirit. You want to be more courageous? You, you, want, to, you want to be a little more bold when it comes to loving others and giving of your time and, and even sharing this good news about Jesus? Like boldness is a fruit of the Spirit. 
So this, this fruitful life that God desires for us to live, it, it, it all comes from us staying connected to the vine. What, what if people, listen to this, like a fruitful life, a fruitful life is making a difference wherever we are and whatever we're doing. It's so comprehensive. So what if, what if people would say about your life, this place is different because of their presence. This place is different because of their presence. Like this, this workplace is different because of who they are and what they're bringing to the table. And what they're bringing to the table is based on who they are. This home is different. This neighborhood is different. This city is different because we're so full of, of Christ. I'm telling you, like, if anyone, that's like, this is one of the arguments that, that I want to make for Christianity and, and, and someone that might reject Jesus or, or not desire to follow Jesus, I would, just, I would just say this, just food for thought. Like, if, if we could just observe his life. If Jesus could hang out with us for, for a week or a month, like it wouldn't even take that long. I'm just telling you, he, his life was so attractive, so magnetic, that to see how he spoke to people, to see how he related to people, to see the way that he would sacrifice of his time for the betterment of someone else, I'm telling you, I, I think it would be very, very hard to say, I, I, don't, I don't want what he has. And the only reason we would do that is because our hearts are so far from God and we need God to show us how awesome he is. So, so that's the first encouragement for us today. Stay connected to Christ for a deeper friendship with God. Amazing, but also a fruitful life. Now, now, how do we do this? How do we make this work? Well, here's the second encouragement for you. Don't miss this, all right? Stay connected to Christ by depending on his grace. Stay connected to Christ by depending on his grace, all right? So, so once again, I'm just going to keep coming back to this, all right, because the simplicity of the word is like so good and so uh, clear that he's the vine. That's his role. We could say that's his job. We are the branches. That's our role. That's our job. So clearly, one is dependent on the other, right? Where we get in trouble in seeking to live our life for God is thinking that just as we received Christ and got connected to Christ by open hands and receiving, that now, like now that we're in, we have to work really, really hard to please God with our lives. But in reality, what we need to do is continue to open our hands and depend on the same grace that got us in is the same grace that keeps us in and fuels us and moves us through our entire lives. So we get tired. We get frustrated. We get discouraged. And consequently, we fail to see this kind of fruit when we start to try to accomplish the Christian life in our own efforts, in our own strength. Many of you know that uh, we have been in the process of 
searching for our next worship leader as a church. It's, it's sad but true that Micah and Carrie are transitioning out on July uh, 3rd. will be our last Sunday with us. And Micah has been our worship leader uh, from the very beginning when we started Redemption Hill uh, more than five years ago. And so we, we've been actively praying and searching, and most of you know that. You've been praying uh, with us together on how God is going to orchestrate all that and provide for our church. Uh, but I, I can tell you this, all right? I was in on writing the role description, as you might expect. And, and I've seen that role description, and, and I would never, I would never, I hope I don't mess this up here, I would never um, sign up for, I would never apply for, for this work, all right? Because I'm about to trip. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Um, now, now, check this out, all right? You're not going to believe this. Some of you don't know this about me. Um, sidebar, I, I shouldn't tell a story about Marsha when I told her that I could play guitar. She kind of got her hopes up. And then I, and then I, then I did that. And tried to sing, Lord, prepare me. <laughs> so, <laughs> that I, in college, I was leading worship for our, for our youth group. But I can never do it today, right? So, so that's, that's a small, <laughs> that's a small, Mike, I didn't drop your nice guitar here. Bang. All right. That's a small picture of like, what happens if, if Redemption Hill hires Tanner to be our next worship leader? I'm going to be frustrated because I'm not very good. You guys are going to suffer big time. And the, you know, rough, like, plus or minus is like Redemption probably wouldn't exist after two years just because, like, people would not want to come back if they had to listen to me lead, you know, worship and song. So, so do you, like, do you see, like, the, the, like, we all have a role. We all have a place. We all have a position. And our position is not to do... His job, our position is to do our job. You see, we become frustrated if we compare ourselves to other people and we want what they have and we try to, to do everything like they do it and, and, and we, you know, like we, we ultimately kind of want who they are and, and their role in life. And, and so We'll become frustrated if we kind of live life according to that trajectory. But let me tell you, it, it, is, it is really, this is a strong word, it is, it is, it is nearly deadly. To, to, like it's one thing to seek to be someone else. It's, it's a whole different ballgame to seek to be God. He's God, we're not. And so if we want to live a, a fruitful life, then we just depend on him. We rest in who he is. We let him do his work in us to empower us to do everything that he's instructed us to do. All right, so, so again, like all of life is all of grace. Titus 2 verses 11 and 12 says that the grace of God appeared bringing salvation to all people, and it trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Okay, so, so did you catch that? Okay, the grace of God that brings salvation is the grace that continues to help us on through life. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, abounding with thanksgiving. So did you catch that? Just as you received it, so continue. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you abide in me, stay connected to me, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But if you don't stay connected and you try to do something apart from me, you're going to fail and fail miserably because apart from me, you can do nothing. The Christian life, you need to, we all need to hear this. I need to hear this every day. The Christian life is impossible. The Christian life is impossible. If you, if you want to go to London, I like London. I got to go there in college with my parents one time. Okay, like two days, it was cool. Um, if you want to go to London, you can step on a plane or you can swim. You follow me? And, that, and that's how it is with the Christian life. God wants us to depend on him in all things. And the beautiful thing is that he is so committed to helping us make this happen. So much so that he would not say, like, I will give you all of the resources at my disposal so that you can live a divine life, a life that makes a difference. But he even says in verse 2, he says, look, um, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And the way that we understand that is even like if you have a question when you're reading the Bible, just keep reading because your questions will probably be answered. Verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire. Like an immediate example of this would have been Judas, one of his disciples, who appeared to be with Jesus because he was hanging out with Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Like going to church and stuff. But that didn't, that didn't make him a true follower. Because he wasn't really connected. He was still doing his own thing. He's, he still was uh, not really trusting in who Christ was as his everything, his Savior, his Redeemer, his life. But for those that are in him, as he's speaking to the disciples, he says, you're already clean because the word I've spoken to you, they've received the word. Then what he does is he, he starts that pruning work and he starts taking away little pieces that would hinder growth and he keeps working on us. Sometimes it's even painful, but he's pruning us and he's changing us so that we can bear even more fruit in our lives. So you say, well, Tanner, okay, like, there's a lot for me to consider there, and that's like, Jesus, I don't want to do his job, and I want to abide in him. Like, how, how do I do that? Let me just give you a few encouragements, okay? Uh, really, verse 7, we can zoom in on verse 7, and we can get a lot of insight here, right? Because again, you just keep reading, right? You have a question, you just keep reading. So if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So what does it look like to abide? It is so simple, and we always come back to this, all right? But it's, it's, it's like spending time with God. It's, it's communicating with God. It's talking to God like a friend. We call that prayer. So it's not just like, I'm going to set aside a little time, like when I wake up. That's, that's a great idea, by the way. Or like maybe in the morning's not for you, even though I think it's really good if possible to start your day with God as a, just a, a discipline and a rhythm and a practice. Maybe you're like, I'm a night owl and I'm really charged up and focused at night. So you're setting aside time at night to, to pray about things that are on your mind and on your heart. But, it, but it's not just that. Like so much so that you'll see these crazy statements in the Bible that say like, pray without ceasing. And like pray and never stop praying. So that tells like at any time, it's a good time to pray. At any time, it's a good time to pour out our hearts before God. So we talk to God like a friend, but, but, but we also communicate with God by hearing from God in his word. 
So he says, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, part of what it looks like to abide in Christ is to receive his words. And, and what's happening right now, like we're receiving the word, we're opening up the Bible, but we, we do this in our own time as well. And so I would just say like, you spend time with your friends and so you have to orchestrate that, you have to plan that, you have to put that on your calendar. And I would just say, what a novel idea to do the same thing with God. To say, you know what? I value my relationship with God so much that I'm going to pencil in, no, I'm going to pen in some time and I'm going to block that time. And and if someone has to hang out with me, then I'm probably going to say, look, I've already got an appointment there. I've already got someone to spend some time with. We abide in Christ as we pray, as we receive his word, and then as we live his word by running everything through him. So verse 10, Jesus says, if, if, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And as John pointed out for us last week, okay, it's, it's not we obey so that we can love, but it's we have been loved so much and therefore we love that now we act a certain way and we, and we live a certain way before God. And so let me just give you a framework. Like how do people change? How do we bear more fruit for God by the way that we live our lives? I love this, this simple framework uh, from some, some biblical counselors um, when they talk about heat, thorns, cross, and fruit. All right, this is so applicable in any situation in life, any circumstance, we can apply this framework. It's like heat is any situation that's happening in life. Your car breaks down, all right? You, you have low bars and you can't make that call that you thought you were going to be able to make, all right? Uh, some coworker is like on your nerves, like how do you navigate that, all right? There, there's always heat coming at us. Like even right now, you're listening to me and that is an opportunity to respond to a circumstance. So heat is just simply our daily situations and circumstances in life. Now, if we are not staying connected to Christ, then we're, we're probably going to, no, we're most definitely going to produce a thorny response to the situations in our life if we're not depending on him, if we're not allowing his power to be at work in us. We're going to be impatient. We're going to be um, unkind. We're going to, um, you know, lose our cool, perhaps. And so what we need to do then is to run that response through the cross and Christ's redemptive work and we remind ourselves of what he said and we uh, receive his grace to continue to move forward and then that enables us to live in a fruitful way and have a fruitful response, a godly response to the situations in our lives. So, I want to encourage you to write this framework down. Think about it. There is always, always, always heat coming at us. And there is always, always, always an opportunity to provide a fruitful response to the situations and circumstances around us through the grace, through the word of Christ. So, what's the last encouragement? It's, it's this. Stay connected to Christ in order to make your life count. Just a few more observations, and we're going to wrap up. Um, number, number one, when, when, when we talk about making our life count, there are just a few more observations that I want to uh, give to us this morning. All right, number one, we have a new power to love. It's like if, if, if love is the greatest thing that we could ever do in this life, 
to selflessly give of ourselves for the benefit of someone else, I think that's like a decent definition of love, then if we're loving God as the greatest thing we could ever do, and if we're loving our neighbor as ourselves as the second greatest thing that we could ever do, then it's really important that we do that well. And Jesus is providing a new power for us to love in a way like we've never loved before, to actually love like he loves. But not only do we have a new power we also, to love, we also have a new joy to experience. So verse 11 is a verse, again, that is just like, just know this and memorize this one, okay? These things I've spoken to you, like, why did Jesus even say all these words? He says them so that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. Anybody want some joy in, in their life? Like, like, like happiness is temporal and it's based on external circumstances. So our happiness like climbs and, and falls with the circumstances that are going around us. But, but joy is consistent and it's consistently fulfilling because it comes from an eternal Christ, not our external circumstances. So joy is lasting. Joy lifts us up and it keeps us moving forward out of what Christ has done. And then, and then finally, uh, look back at verse 8. We have a new ability to glorify God. So Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And when you bear much fruit, you just show people that you're really connected to me. That's exactly what he's saying. And so the, 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 the whole uh, goal here is not so that we produce fruit, that we're productive, that we make a difference, that we impact those around us so that people can look at the branch and say, like, that branch is really nice. But it is to show the excellencies of the vine. Because the vine is the one that is giving us everything we need to produce that fruit. Calvin Miller, an, an author um, who I really have respected through the years, says this, to live a shabby spiritual life is to make God look like a poor spiritual father. <laughs> to live a shabby spiritual life is to make God look like a poor heavenly father. But conversely, we could say this, to live a vibrant, flourishing, fruitful Life, spiritual life, is to make God look like who he is. Amazing, awesome, perfect. So, so, so let, me just, let me just end with this. What do you want to see happen through your life? How, how, do you, how do you want your life to make a difference to those around you? What Jesus is saying here is that if we will stay connected to him, there's nothing stopping us, absolutely nothing stopping us from his life working through us. Amazing as that is, mind-boggling as that is, like there is nothing stopping us from living that kind of amazing, productive, fruitful, love-filled, joy-filled, peace-filled, got some anxieties, thank you, um, kind life. And so if that is true for us individually, that is also true for us as a church. And so um, just think about our 2020 vision. 
that we laid out at the beginning of this year. We said we want to see uh, people come to know who Christ is. We want to see our worship attendance grow so that we can push back that ribbon and more and more people are connected uh, with Redemption Hill. We want to see more in groups, more in teams, more being sent out, be even more generous to help the mission advance throughout the world and in our own city. And I'm just saying, like, if we are connected to Christ as a church, I'm just saying 2020 vision, is there's nothing even to worry about there. Because we're going to see God work in us and through us. But it all comes from seeing who he is and resting in who he is and allowing him to do his work through us. And so I want to pray. And then after we pray, we're going to partake of communion or the Lord's Supper. And, and, and as we reflect on the death of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ for us, it is actually another way to what? Abide in him. <laughs> to stay connected to him. It's reminding ourselves of who he is. And, and, and I don't know about you, but when I'm really thinking clearly about what he has done for me, that's what moves my heart to want to love him more. And that's what moves my heart to want to love other people more. So as we receive communion today, I want you to consider it as a way to stay connected to Christ and to deepen that connection to Christ as we continue in worship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for how you have been at work. And God, I ask that you would help us to stay connected to you. God, you are amazingly gracious to give us everything.